According to the Sun, there were thousands of empty ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250-foot-long hangar. Drugs, sex, sensation. Some newspapers have called Acid House Music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug-taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organizers kept the location secret until the very last moment, which was the main reason, according to the papers, where there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug-crazed kids, some as young as 12, boogied for eight hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from the Mail and the Sun. There's, there's meant to be a drugs-related craze. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. Unless it's just the music that does it. it. All them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even go in the uh, pub where them lights are. Oh, no, they drive no. you mate, Welcome to the 88 Podcast with yours truly, Wayne Anthony. And on today's show, we've got a major link in the chain. This guy, he was one of the founders, one of the first dance magazines that was ever produced. He also was a bit of a fixer in that he used to get venues for all the big major warehouse promoters back in the days, in the days of Acid House, 88 and 89. And there's lots of other things he's done in between and since then. But rather than go on and on and on, I want to introduce you to a really good friend of mine. And there's loads of times when I actually pronounce his surname wrong. But here to you, Ian Mill. How you doing, brother? Wayne, brother. Yes. Hello. Hey, matey. How you doing, Sam? All good. Here we go. Excellent. All good. So, you know, I mean, I remember the first time I actually saw you in a documentary. Do you remember that documentary where you was driving around in your car? Yeah, yeah. How long yeah. ago was that? What documentary was that? Um, the Chemical Generation. Oh, yeah, The Chemical. I was on that one or two, actually. Yeah, that was it. Channel 4. Channel 4, yeah. Uh, it was done by Mark. Uh, oh, my gosh, I've, I've lost his surname, but he, he's, he's done lots of uh, fantastic docs since. Yeah, sure. And I think it was um, Boy George. He was the actually host of the programme, wasn't he? He was the presenter. Yeah, I wasn't told that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? George is all right. He's all right. I mean, I remember, I remember one time, yeah, because obviously you know the, the situation. All the parties were secret. Yeah. And I remember one time he somehow got my mother's phone number and he rang my mum up out of the blue and just said, hi, you know, I'm boy George. Um, do you know where your, your son's party is? You know, and she's, of course, she's going, no, who are you? Of course, you're not boy George. And so he sang down the phone to her to try and prove that, you know, it, it was boy George. And she believed him and she gave him the address. But George, he used to come to all the parties, you know, yeah, when, yeah. We was doing, when we was doing Sunrise and uh, when we was doing Genesis and Sunrise. Yeah. He would come and uh, yeah, yeah. No, he was a good lad. He was a good lad. But yeah, so the Chemical Generation, because I remember they interviewed me. Do you know where they interviewed me? At um, that venue in uh, King's Cross. Yeah. Um, that big old warehouse where they used to do the parties. Oh, what was it called? Uh, oh, good. Oh, we're, oh. We're, we're both. Bagley's? Bagley's? Exactly. Bagley's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was down in Bagley's. But 
Yeah, chemical generation. So I remember you was driving around in your car. What, it, what was it, the premise it, of that? It was, it was um, what happened was we turned, I turned up to do the interview. Um, and I think they were also interviewing Irvin Walsh that day, which was, which was fantastic. I got to meet Irvin Walsh that I was really happy about. Um, but I turned up in this beautiful BMW. Um, and, uh, and they saw this car and said, oh, that's a really nice car. And then all of a sudden the director had this really good idea. What if we drive around and that kind of, because you were always driving around. So it looked really well, it looked fantastic except for I was driving around King's Cross, which was just packed with cars, <laughs> three fellas in the back. <laughs> oh, the camera. Looking at, and, he, and they kept saying, look up at the, look up at the camera. And, and they had to edit it because there was just cab drivers just abusing me. That is funny, and, uh, dude. Yeah, I think, did, they, did they have a light on you as well? Uh, no, uh, yeah, yeah, the light, the, the light, there was just everything, um, and, um, yeah, cab drivers abusing me, I think I did, I did about, uh, uh, about an eight minute interview, but there was so much abuse from cab drivers, I think it got reduced to about 20 seconds. How funny, uh, they could how do. funny. Hysterical. Um, and I just kept laughing, and of course, uh, that's not helping the director, as you would <laughs> Because really, a, a lo uh, lots of people might not know you. I mean, everyone in industry people, they all know who you are. But there would be lots of people out there used to go to lots of different parties who won't know who you are. And you promoted quite a lot of parties. I mean, in between the Acid House time and, and in between now, I've been to loads of your parties, really cool parties in mansion houses, yeah. stately homes and all these wonderful types of venues, you know. But back in um, 89, I mean, you were getting venues, whether it be fields or whatever. Tell us a little bit about the process of acquiring venues for promoters back in 88 and 89. Okay, so I kind of, um, so back in 80, it actually kind of started in 87, um, where okay. I, I, uh, I went to Ibiza on holiday because I was, my, my girlfriend had basically split up with me and a mate of mine said, uh, look, let's just go on holiday for a, for a couple of weeks. I went to Ibiza, I'd never heard of this island before in my life. I didn't even know where I, I was going, he just booked it. Um, and I fell onto a couple of uh, people that I had known previously through school friends, Trevor Fung, um, who kind of said, we're doing these parties at this place, you should, you should come. Wow, um, so you um, was at the very beginning, mate. Yeah, it was, you know, um, um, the thing is, I've always been into uh, different musics and different trends. I, I was crazy into the reggae thing and the blues parties of Brixton and Maidervale when I was young. I was into the soul thing of the all-dayers. Uh, I was into the punk thing for a little bit. I just love these new movements. Um, and that's what I found in Ibiza. Um, it was a new movement. And then when we came back to London, it was just dead you know um and you didn't want to go to a nightclub everyone was dressed in black and looking cool and you know um, um and everything else was so free so i just wanted at first i just went to club parties and, and little parties uh with nikki uh with paul oakey and uh people like that and i just wanted to get involved somehow um and i was i was 
working in uh, I had a really I had a good job I had a good good pay I was comfortable and then I met a promoter a guy who was going to a party it had been called off he was really unhappy and um, I kind of thought okay that that's something that I could maybe help find um, and just so happened um, the place I was working at in, in the, on the floor below were these two young guys who were selling land um, and they were, they were essentially uh, surveyors who were selling land to the likes of B&Q, Texas, uh, Tesco's who were all make, uh, building these big things on the outskirts of London. Wow. Just had but just to go back, just to go back. So what was you actually doing before? You, you, you know, you know I, I, I was, discovered I was, acid house. So from being a wild uh, kid that left school and didn't do anything till he was 22, I tried desperately to go straight um, and get an office job and, and, you know, went in the city. Um, and the city would then, anyone who had a little bit of chat um, and was a bit positive, um, was kind of thrown in, you can make money, buying and selling shares. And I was doing that, I did that for about three years. I was really enjoying it, really successful until I went to Ibiza and came back and then I yeah, was- Yeah, so suddenly you found yourself in yeah. Ibiza, right, we're up to speed. To be honest, it, it was twofold. It was Ibiza also, I was driving around um, in Surrey once um, and I fell upon the police who stopped me um, and told me there's no, there's no through way here because all these people have stuck themselves in these trees to, to, to stop <laughs> some building. I thought that, what are they doing? So I got out and there was all these young people, you know, um, with long hair um, and, uh, and they were just free to sort of protest and say, no, you can't build these things. So that really intrigued me that there were young people and I saw all these older people. Um, there was no middle-class people. There were, there were just young people with dreadlocks and, um, and they were all being helped by all the old, old people who also didn't want trees and fields removed. You know, it was really interesting. So I think that got me thinking, why am I doing this thing with finance and money and helping people build all these places that all these people are trying to stop and Ibiza is all free. So I think that kind of got yeah. inside my head. And, and um, I always think that it made my head beautiful, you know? Um, sure, it's a nice so, description. Yeah, mm. and so I kind of thought, okay, I want to be part of, of this, um, you know? Um, and so yeah, back to these two guys, they had all these, they had a big pile of land um, that was um, available for for sale, and uh, at the same time, um, you know, synchronicity, Wayne. Um, I had an end of year uh, accounts meeting where I was sort of with an accountant who was telling me all these things about what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, and I kind of told him, "I'm going to leave this life, and I'm going to try something new." And I'm going to try to find places for parties and things like that. He, 
he and I told him I, he, he thought it was completely crazy. Um, but he himself was, was quite a character. Um, he was an Indian man in a pinstripe suit who was Oxford educated, who spoke Queen's English, you know, kept saying to me, oh dear boy, you'll never do it. You'll be like some tear away. Um, where's your education? Um, you know, um, but then I said, yeah, these two guys have got all this land. And um, I think uh, it could be interesting. And at that point, he kind of said, well, I've got a small plane. And if you want, if you pay for my fuel, I'll fly you around, uh, uh, around London if you want. So that's basically how I kind of went and looked at all these places. Uh, and quite often, I would be in a two-seater plane leaving Biggin Hill and flying around, um, which was a joy in itself, you know. Um, so for sure. That's kind of how it started. I'd spot land and think that could be interesting. Um, then it's a bit of conversation with a farm uh, farmer, um, but it kind of took it. It was just a synchronicity, as I say, because promoters were like yourself were finding that the warehouses were. It was getting out of hand in the warehouses. Just too many sure. people, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. People. And they were and they were locked off to us as well, you know. Yeah. And and the thing the thing about it is, you know, like what you just said about your friend spoke the Queen's English, nice pinstripe suit. I mean, you kind of played that role as well. You know, you'd go in there and you know you'd convince these landowners or whatever. But so originally, when you were going around in the aeroplanes and stuff, like that was eighty seven, and I suppose no, that was eighty seven. That was eighty eight. Okay, so that was eighty eight. So. I guess at that point, was you thinking about party promoters renting the land or for acid house parties, or was you thinking more along the lines of, you know, film production parties and rap I parties? Know, I, that I type think of thing? I, no, 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 don't, I wasn't into film production part. That, that story didn't get born till, till we needed to tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> till, till the blag <laughs> happened. <laughs> Um, the thing is, and, and we can explain to people, you know, it, it, it's fine. The, the laws of statue is, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we could explain to people that that was part of the whole blag is that yeah. we had to convince the authorities that what we were doing was legal and all above board. And yeah. one of those things was, you know, I mean, you could ex probably explain it more where, you know, we needed to have, you know, film studios where we're making TV documentaries or we're making films and then you'll have characters like Ian here who would go in front it out taking the big bag of money I mean tell us a little bit about that <laughs> what really in fact what really I mean I know you did you got venues for quite a lot of people you know yeah I mean tell us about some of the people that you got venues for um so quite often I went in a roundabout way and like like you of asking me to come on the podcast, I quite like to be a little hidden. Sure. Um, uh, well, I knew you'd only do it because it was me. I get him. I get him. I get him. That's exactly what I said. I can't say no to him. Yeah, no one else is going to get him. So exactly. this is going to be unique. I can't unique. say no to him. He's the only one. There's, there's three, three or four people I can't say no to. And you're one of them, brother. And, um, and me to you, brother, too. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, so, I, I, so what you mean is you don't want to say. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I'm statute of limitations has passed, man. There's that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think um, what we maybe a couple of them. Yeah, mm. we we kind of. Um, I went I went through other people. Um, there was uh, a, a nice couple of uh, guys, couple of agents in Kings Cross, uh, who. Uh, would had a little tap into um, Dave and Tony at Sunrise, uh, Fitz and uh, at uh, um, oh, uh, Hypnosis with Tintin, yeah, at, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Tintin and, uh, and Anton at Energy, yeah. So, um, so Tintin, kind of, Jeremy, and Anton, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so I was kind of oh, so was it? So was it you that got the Westway? Uh, no, that wasn't okay. for me. But uh, I think that was, uh, I think that was Lynn. There was a few, there was a few people um, involved in getting them. But I think once venues, sure. I mean, all, all the venues, um, uh, the the film studios and things, they were sort of quite open to it. Um, albeit, yeah, sure. Albeit they might not have got the first idea of what it was going to be. But once they yeah. saw what it was, they were quite happy. Um, I think the first instant when we went to farmers, we I, I didn't really tell them very much. Uh, you, it, it, yeah. No real blag. I just went and said, I want to hire your field. Yeah. And I want to do it from Friday morning to Monday morning. And is that okay? And, and it's like 20 large. <laughs> Uh, no, surprisingly, you get him cheap, brother. Oh, mate, you're jamming, mate. You're jamming, mate. Oh, mate. I, I remember the, the most expensive uh, venue, and you know, bear in mind these are, you know, there wasn't licensed venues, but the most expensive thing, bit of land I ever paid was twenty thousand pounds. Exactly. And that was cash up front, yeah. no missing around. You know, I, I, um, it, it it got more expensive as as. I think yeah, as the year went on. Went on. <laughs> it got extremely expensive after the newspapers slashed it yeah. on the front page. And the, and, the, and the big worry, and what people don't realise, is that it, when we actually try to go the legal route and we yeah. try to hire legal land, that the problem, the other problem that we had is once that was out, that we had this legal plot, the police, whether it would be a club or a bit of land, the police would then go to the owners and scare the daylights out of the owners, wouldn't they? <laughs> be like, if you let these guys come here, you know, we're not, we're, we one, we won't renew your license next year if you were a club. Yeah. But the other thing was, um, you know, the I remember the local farmers, you know, they used to get sent to Coventry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember Ken Tappenden, the head of the police pay party unit. I was having a conversation with him once. Lovely man. Lovely man. He's lovely man. You know, we hated him back then. But he's tur he's turned into a diamond. He's turned into an absolute diamond. Yeah, since because he's tired. and since yeah, he's and for tired, those who like... might, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for those that might not know, again, uh, you know, he was a chief superintendent, I think, and he was, for those that might not know, and he was appointed by Margaret Thatcher to basically close down illegal parties, acid house parties, all night parties, any party that wasn't licensed. And at that time, no events were licensed. So it just meant everyone, you know? <laughs> and so, and, but, and one of their tactics was, you know, they would go to the people, the owners of land and give them a hard time. And I remember um, Kenneth was telling me 
that one of the farmers, he was in one of the documentaries, um, he rented out his land, and I think it was the sunrise. <laughs> and, you know, sunrise had the party that went on all night, you know, however many people turned up, 15, 20,000 people turned up. And Ken Tapperton was saying that for about 15 years after that event, none of the locals around that farmer would speak to him. <laughs> for about 15 years, yeah. they were so upset with him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that he gave his land out to, you know, to, uh, to uh, these uh, acid party promoters. Uh, from, from those times, um, what I learned uh, about uh, that and subsequently, uh, through some mansion house parties and lots of other places that I rented um, um, is that you need to really send the owner on holiday for the weekend or the week. Yes, so yes. I, I started buying them a ticket. Uh, We've done that too, so yeah. Go away for, to Marbella for uh, a week. Uh, we got this hotel. Yeah, first you know, class, limos all the way. Yeah, and how, how <laughs> we present that is to say, can we do it on this day? And then they'd say there, and then we'd come and say, as it's on this day, I was actually going on holiday and I've got these two tickets. And if you want, you can have them or, or you know, um, Very smart. quite often they think, yeah. yeah, okay, let's get out of the way. You know, and I sure. say that'll also get you out of the way. There'll be no hassle. And on Monday morning, you can come back and yeah, you know, perfect. And and perfect. And and that's before obviously all the newspaper coverage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's before the newspaper. That's that's when they would go, isn't it? You know. <laughs> I remember, you know, remember the, that pub in Watford, the Game Bird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember I helped Jarvis out with his biology event, that big outdoor event. Yeah. And I remember we we drove down there in the limo and we arrived. We stopped at the game bird because the game bird was put up as one of the meeting points. Yeah. And when we arrived outside, a few of the bouncers were saying that, um, you know, that the owners wasn't happy because obviously thousands of cars were turning up. <laughs> and so I remember we, for some reason, they were outside. They came outside in the car park and we spotted them. And so Jarvis and I, we went over and spoke to them, you know. And so we invited them down. We said, look, you know, you want to come down? We're really sorry. You know, we give you some money. And they were like, no, we don't want any money. And we was like, look, we'll send the limo down for you later. And, <laughs> and we did, you know, we sent the limo down for them. And they was just, oh, this is amazing. This is great. You know, we tell the policeman to leave you alone. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was. And that's the thing. When, when the difference between what people read in newspapers, yeah. you know, normal, everyday people. Yeah. And what the reality was, it was so it was there was a vast gap in between absolutely. that. And absolutely. So I think when people they experienced it for themselves and they were like, well, hang on, okay, there's twenty thousand people here, and you know, some of them might seem a little bit off their heads or something like that. Yeah. It's like it's not it's non-threatening, you know, it's really positive. Everyone there seems to be having an amazing time, you know. So whereas if you're in a pub in the east end or yeah. anywhere really you know where people are drinking alcohol where it could be a hundred people yeah and you know it could be a threatening situation i mean it's changed a lot these days but in the 80s uh, it was like that in pubs and clubs I, wasn't I, it I you know i think that we we helped change that um the nature of going out in the uk sure 100 um, certainly uh, in places like ibiza that was not the case um, of, of how you went out and partied. 
whereas in the UK it was very much a drinking culture and 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 could disrupt into violence uh, sure. in the nicest of places. You know, if sure. had, had drunk yeah. uh, a little too much. Whereas I think we cultivated this uh, uh, amazing feeling, and I think that now, um, I th I, you know, we I think we both agree that. Uh, dance culture has, has changed, uh, changed society in the 90s um, for the better in, in so many ways. Um, and, and that's certainly one of them, um, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, it kickstarted the whole digital uh, evolution in music. I mean, yeah. it, it, was a, it was a powerful, powerful scene. But, you know, going back to um, the beefer, when you was there with Trevor and the guys, you know, Trevor and Ian's cousin yeah. Ian St. Paul, yeah? yeah, it was like at that point, you know, because you watched its growth, you came to all those big events, you know, you knew everybody. And this is before the magazine, I imagine. Yeah. Um, did, did, could, did you envision it being such a, having such a huge impact on the UK when you was in, in Ibiza in 1987? Oh, no, no, oh. absolutely not. Absolutely, you know, um, I, 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 I defy anyone that says they expected that. Um, but I genuinely think by the time I was a year into the magazine, um, which was probably end by, by end of uh, 90, um, there was no doubt that it, it, it wouldn't be stopped. I think once the, uh, the law was changed to stop the uh, the the outdoor illegal parties, sure. Uh, and uh, Raindance Ray um, got his license. Yeah. Raindance started getting licensed and uh, yeah. and doing them over in Vauxhall yeah. and places like that. There was no doubt. Yeah, and oh, <coughs> there was no. Sorry, doubt. excuse excuse me. Yeah, there was no yeah Jenkins Lane was Raindance, wasn't it? For right. the first ones. Yeah. Uh, just again for people that might not know. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, I, I don't know, but as far as I know, Raindance were the first, if not one of the first, yeah. to actually get a, a license, uh, an entertainment license. Were they entertainment yeah, license yeah, exactly, then? Exactly. An entertainment and dance license. So, so they really broke ground because, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, because it was a completely dedicated event. I remember yeah. it well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we. Uh, but, yeah. but going back to um, the magazine now. So, I mean, so there was there were so many directions that you could go in wasn't there you know you could have done parties you know you could have started record labels you know management agencies there were so many de a design yeah. you know you could have went in that direction merchandising so there were so many different areas where you could have went but you decided which was an uh, invaluable to the, the growth of the scene itself you decided that you was going to do a paper magazine well i say paper it was always paper back then we only say paper in this modern age don't we you know? but, because people say it to me oh really i say yeah i've got a magazine oh is it a digital or paper it's like okay but back then it was just a magazine you know yeah. <laughs> so 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 what made you choose to go along that path because that's not an easy path to go down is it you know yeah. um I, I i i after the summer of 89 um I had my, I, I actually did um, my first party. Um, and in my view, bearing in mind, um, there was 
there was yourselves sunrise energy that I'd gone to and found land for and there's 10, 15, 20,000 uh, people turning up. Um, I did my first party and uh, it was a total wreck. Um, I only got four and a half thousand people, Wayne. I was horrified. It's good. It's bloody good. <laughs> We had about 300 at our first party, mate. You've done yeah, fantastic. No, no. I mean, I've seen Sunrise grow from 300 people to yeah. 25,000. Um, well, mate. Um, but yeah. Uh, and which got, one was that? Which party was that? Uh, was that the Egypt's party? Um, we, we changed venue, literally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it with a chap named Dave, was it? Uh, nine o'clock at night. Uh, uh, it was, it was uh, with some, uh, some, a really good friend of mine, an Egyptian guy. Okay. Who... who just believed in it you know um, and he didn't do any of the things he didn't go to any parties he just thought it was exciting um, sure. and uh but i think from I, I did that i thought it was a huge uh, disappointment in numbers but i had a really good party and i went away um and we we had this conversation i had a conversation with uh, a couple of mps i'd gone to the house of commons to to uh, talk about um, uh, licensing um, sure. and sure. with, with a, a couple of um, lawyer friends who were very uh, up on law. There were young lawyers um, and there was, there was party goers. There were party as goers, well. exactly. Mm. Um, and they, it was, it was, it was apparent they were not going to uh, allow us to continue. You know, they were going to do everything in their power to stop it. Um, so I went off to, I went off for, for six weeks and, and to Greece and hung around uh, island hopping. And Yeah, because just, just, I don't mean to cut into you, brother, because obviously at that point you had to make a decision, yeah, wasn't absolutely. it? Because you had to make a decision right there and then it's like, okay, I can see that the, the government are going to, they're on this like a ton of bricks yeah. and they're not going to remove their boot <laughs> from your neck, you know? So rather than go the illegal route where just banging, you know, crashing a load of parts, crashing to a load of warehouses, do a load of parties, you kind of took a step back and said, look, yeah. let me, let me think about yeah. this. So boom. So you went to I, Greece. Yeah, yeah. I, I really wanted to do parties, but I, I just didn't think there was, there was, it was too much hassle. It was going to be too much hassle. Um, and clubs at that point were, were just stale. Um, I, I, I talked to a number of clubs. They were really not interested. And I know uh, Paul and Nikki and uh, were all doing some great clubs um, uh, on Mondays and Thursdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Every day of the week, wasn't it? Every it was a nightclub. I mean, it was yeah. fantastic, you know. Um, and, I mean, it was fantastic that, you could do that in the week and, you know, um, but the weekend was, was big parties. Um, and I just thought, okay, where, where's, where could this go? Um, and what could be interesting, you know, what could be interesting because the likes of, um, what, uh, the party that we did for Egypt for, uh, sunrise, uh, Genesis energy, um, you know, they were, uh, things were getting fantastic. I mean, the creativity was yeah. just, just I, yeah. it's height. I was, yeah. it was just amazing. 
Um, and it was a DIY creativity as well, wasn't it? It wasn't like just driven by money. It, no, there was a creativity absolutely. behind the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't just fun. It was uh, creative. It was exciting. It was dangerous. It was... It, sure. It was, it was bloody dangerous. Yeah, it, it, was, it was life. It was life, you know. Yeah. Um, so we... we uh, I think... Because it's a clever route. You, I mean, it's a clever decision that you made yeah. there, you know, because... I don't, I don't think clubs were ready for yeah. that creativity at that point. No, um, no. Because they were still in their early yeah. stages of it, wasn't they? Because they, remembering that they, they already were slightly teeved off the fact that they lost their clientele for, the, for, for two years. Yeah. No, you know, no one was going into the clubs, you know, so they were teeved off about that. And so the, the stage that you're talking about is when there were whisper it was the police had come down heavy on it they've stopped all the parties basically you know and there were certain venues that were starting to open up as well wasn't there you yeah. know and and so it was at that point where you, you have to decide well you know do we go back into the clubs or do we yeah. carry on doing this you know so i totally understand yeah I, I, and so and, but but again sorry to cut you again but the decision that you made was a quite a clever decision because what you did was you unified the whole scene yeah and and that was always going to have more of an impact yeah. than just you doing parties on your own yeah. i'm not saying that parties aren't impactful because i mean look where we are today you know yeah. so it's not that but in and of itself rather than it was just ian and egypt it was you as unifying everyone so yeah. everybody wanted to come and be on on your platform yeah. which you know i, th I think what yeah. i really uh, enjoyed um was uh, it, it had certainly got competitive towards the end of '89. Um, yeah, you know there were sure. hundreds of flyers. Don't don't people? Yeah, think there was just five or six parties. There was hundreds of flyers. There was, uh, you know, because it originally, obviously, when one of the promoters, if it was us, Sunrise or Energy, yeah. did a party. There was no other big parties at no, night. It was just absolutely. us. That's it. No one just said, "Look, there's no, there's no point," you know. But as it got later, <laughs> and you know, this is after all the massive newspaper campaigns talking about you earning half a million pound every night and all this type of stuff. So suddenly there was this whole new rafter of promoters, and so yeah. now rather than just there just being one big party on the night, now you might have 10, 20, you know, or you know, a hundred events over any one weekend. And so yeah, so you get lost among the amongst the noise. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. the one good thing about that, yeah, the one redeeming factor of that is that all of these events were happening all over the country. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and that was when that was everyone cool. was tuned in, everyone was plugged into it. Yeah. So rather than all because up to that point, all of these youngsters, I was one of those youngsters, <laughs> and so were you. You know, we were like leaving our houses. You know, if you li lived in Scotland. Yeah. You know, there were acid house parties were happening, you know, in and around London and Manchester yeah. and stuff. But you had to leave Scotland or, yeah. you know, there were places outside of London if you wanted to go to an event. Or you would have to, which we all did one time or another, you would have to travel from one end of the country yeah. to the other end of the country. <laughs> and as it got later, as you're saying, um, it meant there was lots more parties and these parties, they were local. Yeah. And so, you know, again, people had the, the choice now. It's like, okay, rather than us get in this car and drive three hours to the party that it might get stopped by police, 
you know, we can actually just go to the club down the road and have a great time with our mates, you know. And, and so it was in this atmosphere where you said, okay, this is a bloody good idea. Um, it was not just more of an idea. What I wanted is to, I like the, the ability to talk to you, to talk to Dave, to talk to Fitz, to talk to, you know, uh, some DJs. Um, uh, I didn't want to be a competitor of, of them uh, or make them my competitor. Um, I like the idea. And I was talking to lots of people all the time. Do you want to do that? Oh, if you, you know, um, you know, I, I, I love Jarvis, another brother, um, you know, as soon as, as soon as he got captured, to Jarvis, uh, as soon as he got, as soon as he got, <laughs> as soon as he cancelled himself, <laughs> they, were in, they were on in big, uh, it was a classic, bless him, you, you know, you know the moment, don't you, you know, you know I, I, I'm not, I remember the moment so well, it was when he was on Kilroy, you remember? Yeah, when he was on Kilroy. I didn't see him when on he, Kilroy, but I... Oh, when he, he was on Kilroy, yeah, and he said to Ken Oh, uh, at that time, again, was the head of the police pay yeah. party unit, and he was a chief superintendent. Yeah. He was a highly decorated police officer. Yeah. And Jarvis, you know, stood up, and you know, he's a big bloke, and he's this big yeah. black bloke, you know what I mean? He had sunglasses on, a hat on as well, big leather jacket. And he stood up, and he loomed over everybody, and he said directly to the to this top policeman that if you stop my party i'm going to have forty thousand people just driving all around london <laughs> you know? and it was like oh dear yeah. <laughs> you know the amount of mps that would have been watching that oh. and just said there is no way this party is going to happen I, I, that, I you, you know. about 20 other people talked about it for the for about 24 hours solid yeah yeah for <laughs> I, sure i never saw it but the number of people were just Mate. they invited me they invited me they was going to send a limo and stuff and i was like yeah no because i was so scared about being arrested <laughs> That was my thing. It was like, I, I don't really want to put my face up front. Yeah, you know, it's, it's such a contrast to, to now absolutely. when we, when I did my last parties like eight years ago, whatever. Um, because now obviously everyone knows who you are. Yeah. So, and they know what you look like, you know? So it was really weird now because, and it was lovely. It was a lovely thing. I'm not, you know, but where I would walk into a building and literally when I did my reunions, every single person knew who I was. And that was a bit strange, you know, it was like, oh, 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 hello, 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 hello. It's like, oh, wow. Because, you know, before, yeah, yeah. if yeah. you were an industry, you wouldn't know who we were, you know. I mean, quite, quite a lot of people that went to all the big parties didn't even know who was throwing them half the time. They just exactly right. and off they went. Um, but yes, exactly. but, 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 but bless Jarvis from, from that day on, yeah, yeah. He, he was, he was marked. Top boy, mate. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He was marked until Tony came along. <laughs> Oh, Tony <laughs> took it away, didn't he? You know, I mean, Tony, uh, funny enough, I was watched that uh, Johnny from Ross clip he did. Yeah. And uh, for those that don't know, Tony Cosinator, he organized Sunrise and he was quite a good. He was really good at his public relations. I mean, he was an expert at public relations. He was a ninja. Yeah. And I remember, do you remember, he went on to Johnny from yeah. Ross show, which was the most popular show at the time. It was a huge show. And, and Johnny... Uh, Johnny from Ross, he was kind of edgy. He used to wear nice, really nice suits. Remember all the suits? But he was quite edgy at that time. Oh, and yeah, and Tony went on the show and handcuffed himself <laughs> to Johnny from Ross. And Johnny from Ross wasn't happy about it. He was not it. happy bunny, was he? No. And then you had that other radio guy. They had another radio guy 
they kept digging out Tony. You know? yeah. <laughs> In the end, Tony was going, you're just a wanker. <laughs> you know? I watched it just a few days ago, you know, and the radio DJ was this famous guy. And you know who else was on it? Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. Uh, Susie. Susie. So he was an expert at that, you know, yeah. a real well, expert. He, he was fantastic. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, Jarvis must have watched that and thought, thank heaven, someone else has stepped up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that party in the end, that party ended up this this party because remember he built it as you know the forty thousand people yeah. birthday party yeah. you know the biggest birthday party in in the world you know and that was the one that they had public enemy you know and all these live epmd oh, i think that one was wrong but uh so they had all these major hip-hop artists there if you remember and then on that night, there was just an army of police out. You know, I mean, I'm going to, uh, Jarvis is coming on and he will talk about it, but there was an army of police out and I was with him that night. Yeah. And we ended up in Birmingham. It was the Hummingbird, not Birmingham. Was it Birmingham or Bristol? Bristol. Okay. Bristol. Yeah. And it had a famous old black venue there, you know, and because, you know, there were been, you know, a lot of civil rights type stuff in Bristol yeah. in the past, you know. So they had this venue that was, <clears throat> excuse me, owned by some black dudes who would go all night. They didn't care, you know. And it started about, you know, eight, nine in the morning. I mean, it was a complete failure because no one knew that they were going to end up in Bristol <laughs> at the beginning. It was either Bristol or Birmingham, one of those two. Yeah. But no one knew they were going to end up there. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, we lost lots and lots of people on the way and picked up, you know, BBC was outside and, yeah. you know, but um, yeah. I, th I, th I think um, going back, to, um, going back to your, your question. I think yeah, the foundations that, of the magazine. I, I wanted to continue talking to those people on a regular basis. And, you know, I just I, I like the scene. I, I like the scene, and the people in it. You know, sure. Um, you know, um, and, and you had a lot to offer. Um, yeah, and so the magazine was just something. Um, my mum, rest her beautiful soul, used to Listen. work for um, a magazine. She worked for um, a magazine for 15, 16 years. Okay. And uh, uh, she, uh, I kind of was talking about. Uh, uh, doing something and I happened to go off to Greece have this little moment on the beach when I actually a friend of mine pushed me off my chair uh, which just rolled back onto the sand and instead of moving I just lay there and looked up at the sky uh, for about 10 minutes um, and in that moment I think I just got up and said I think I know what I'm going to do next um, excellent and that's where it was born um, I came back I spoke to my mum and she said, look, um, if you want to do that, um, I can give you a couple of hints. You've got to put a dummy copy together, go and see a distributor. Um, because I told her I was going to distribute it through all these little record shops. And yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Everywhere you distribute flyers. Yeah. And that, that made sense to me. But my mum said, well, that's crazy. You're going to drive around London all day um, yeah. and all week and all month so all the time uh, and you'd have to collect your money and how are you going to do that and blah, blah, and just posed me a lot list of questions that basically you know got me from smiley to oh shit you know mm, this this has just got real yeah <laughs> but then she just said she just said this fantastic line at the end just go and find the distributor here's the names of the three biggest ones and um 
go and see them. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll make an appointment for you if you like. And Excellent. that was it. Um, I, wow. I went and saw the first one um, and they, with the dummy copy, which I still have, um, and a dummy copy for those who don't know is just literally, you know, you make a dummy magazine, stick some things in with print stick um, and go along and go, there's going to be a page about this and a page about that. Um, Excellent. That's how it was done in those days, yeah, you see. Yeah, you know, technology's yeah. helped us a lot. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great, I had, I had a great meeting with them because um, firstly, uh, I, went, I went to this uh, distributor to, who was the second biggest distributor in the UK. I showed them this dummy magazine and they literally said, okay, it's a really good idea. Um, and I think we can put you out through WH Smiths and I think uh, a place called John Menzies that was the other big kind of newspaper yeah, I remember that, yeah. all the train stations. And they yeah. said, great, um, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, we need, we're gonna do it on sale or return and we need, we're going to take it, and we kind of just tried to keep a tried to keep a straight face at that moment, all happy. Um, and then they told us, "Okay, we need twenty thousand copies." And which date do you want to start at? Wow! At which yeah. point, my my me and my then partner Alison, who was a designer, straight uh, to mum. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, go on. We, 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 well, what we did was we we kind of said thought we were going to print. A couple of thousand. <laughs> That's what I mean. There's just like, exactly. yeah, 20,000, please. And then they said 20,000. Which is 20, a huge amount. Yeah. I was and, it's a, and it's a huge risk, isn't it? I'm sorry to butt in, but, you know, because I want people to understand, like, what's happening around this, you know? So, you know, bearing in mind, you know, the, the newspapers have been thrashing the scene, absolutely thrashing the scene. Of, you know the media has been thrashing the scene yeah. so you have come up with this idea which is generated around the scene which has had some really really bad press <laughs> so for to even get a major distributor interested in doing this you know this magazine it is a real achievement mate so i just wanted to oh, set that you. out thank you yeah. yeah um you're absolutely right it was a huge thing um and one of the things um one of the things i think we were always good at is the creativity of and the and the blag well always good at the blag i think the the creativity to see a path forward you know yeah um, yeah creativity you know, and blagging totally as you know if the room wasn't built you know if you went into a warehouse and the room wasn't built big enough just knock down one of the walls <laughs> yeah yeah you know, i know a fella it's a simple solution um, <laughs> listen my sound boys could do anything yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so when we went there, they kind of said exactly that, you know, there's this terrible vibe, this terrible thing. And, yeah. and we just literally said, look, um, there's all that, but there's 20,000 people that are going to these parties and there's now 10 parties a weekend. And there's, we can't ignore it. About a hundred thousand people are going out every weekend for this. Um, you know, it's a specialist market and, um, Oh, it was fantastic. We put our first issue out, um, and uh, by issue three, we were. Have we said what it's called? Clubland, Clubland. magazine, yeah. Yeah, um, and in the first three, in the first issue, we printed twenty thousand. In the second issue, we printed thirty thousand, and the third issue, we printed thirty-five thousand. Wow, it's impressive, mate. 
and, and it was sale or return. And it's I think it's really in, impressive. Yeah, in, in um, what what really uh, made us because again to, to again to, to put it into context, um, uh, Mix Magazine was formulated or founded in 1983. Yeah. And DJ Magazine was founded in 1991. Sure. So you fell in between there, which was quite a big achievement. Sure. Um, the thing about DJ and Mix was they were very techie. Yeah, especially very, in those early yeah, days. Mix Mag was techie. more about tech, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. They were very yeah. techie. Um, and we came along and we were basically we sold ourselves to the distributor as a lifestyle magazine. It's a good point. It's a very good point. People who like dance music, um, you know, um, and yeah, in the, we were, we were selling 90% of what we were printing. That's amazing. Yeah. It really and, is amazing. It's our, an our, achievement, mate. Our distributors were, you know, they were literally every time, um, they, they, they gave us a monthly expense account. Is that your email that's doing that? It's not mine, is uh, it? I'm going to mute it. Man. I think it is. How do I mute it? Oh, no, I don't think it's me. How, can you still hear me? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I'm, I oh, I'm going to close my mail. Hang on yeah. a minute. There you go. Um, cool. Yeah, I, you know, um, that was the amazing thing that we, we were selling 90% of what we were printing. And at that moment, the norm, amazing. The norm for those magazines were, was about 25%, 30%. For sure. And I mean, and the thing is, I mean, who bought magazines back then? You didn't buy magazines back then. So to get to, to for people to actually go out, go to newsagents and buy the magazine was huge. Because again, like the, the what, how you pointed out, MixMag was mostly about technology. Yeah. You know, it grew into a lifestyle magazine, but it was mostly tech when I, when I really look back on it. And even DJ, the early yeah. magazines, they... It was really tech. So you was bringing a lifestyle magazine to the table, which no one, when we think about it, had done before. So in, in essence, I mean, there was people had touched upon it. You know, NME had touched upon it, but NME hated acid house. Yeah. <laughs> they hated acid house. You know, they were into their rock bands and grunge bands and everything else, and they hated it. Yeah. And it got to a point where they had to speak about it. Absolutely. And they would do little tiny stories. And I mean, I even remember... Um, they did a special uh, edition. I think it was uh, in 90, from 1989, from 1988 to 1989. Yeah. And they did an edition and they had, they did these huge lists of what was hot and what was not hot. You know, those types of lists. They used to do those things in the, in the 80s, you know. And, and they, so they would say, you know, acid house is hot, or whatever. And they would have a list of 10, you know. And, Apparently, I was told by Fitzroy from Hypnosis that uh, they had Genesis in it. They had Best Party of 88, yeah. and it was Genesis New Year's Eve party. And I thought, they must have really begrudged <laughs> putting that on there because they hated it. And then the other, um, and the other was an industry magazine. Uh, which was Record Mirror. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but Record Mirror, was a, it was an industry magazine. And again, they just had small articles and then the other one who again they started doing articles was face face magazine face yeah, yeah. Uh, so, face so, or yeah. id id magazine ID. yeah ID. both of them actually well I, I, but I, they were all forced and the difference between them is 
they were forced to report about acid house and they were forced to report about this dance culture because there were so many people that were tuned into it yeah. that they just couldn't ignore it yeah. you know yes. whereas what you did it was totally fought out it was totally dedicated to promoting the scenes because i remember your magazine and i remember that um and at a time i mean I, I remember i didn't know but my uncle who was a fashion designer he was advertised in your and god rest his soul now but he was advertised in your first issue oh. wiley with remote oh yeah 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 of course yeah remote clothing you know so oh, it was wow. like oh yeah. you know we, um, so that was mad when i saw that i was like oh wow that's my uncle's clothes you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that was a thing so but so tell us a little bit about the content that you okay used to so, have. so yeah obviously, obviously um it was dance music led so um yeah, yeah. we did the first interview that carl cox ever did i did i did that Go with on, carl and maxine um, i was gonna say i remember that a picture yeah. of him and maxine wasn't yeah. it maxine from brighton i mean maxine was his, his partner at the time yeah. and yeah, uh yeah. she kind of she's kind of managed his Oh, she was red, you know, with, with an iron fist, with an iron fist. Uh, you know. uh, listen, I, 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 I bumped into Maxine a few years ago when I was no in London. And uh, uh, and I always take my hat off to her. She was Definitely. she was a tough cookie. But she, she was tough. She but she knew, yeah, she knew what she wanted, you know, and yeah. she was tough from the off, mate. Oh, but well, she was great. Yeah, you know, well, and she sold a lot of tickets. She was a, she was a ticket outlet as well. Yeah. ticket agent she, so she, yeah remember maxine brighton you know yeah, maxine, <laughs> you can look at those old flyers and there's like maxine brighton you know? maxine, so, talk, maxine talk sunrise into putting carl on that program you know did she go on, yeah, maxine. Go on. sunrise into putting carl on that program um so yeah we, yeah yeah so there's like you we, did we, carl cox's first carl, uh interview uh, we were talking about new bands like brand new heavies um baby ford um, Excellent. Lisa Stanfield, before she had her number one, we were talking about Inner City and Kevin Saunderson um, and um, things like street fashion. We were, we were saying, we were, uh, we were screaming the, va the value of graffiti, you know, rather than looking at grey walls in our cities. Uh, sure. We wrote about. Sure. Um, we and you was you doing like charts, music charts, and yeah, things like that, that wasn't that, you? That was not really the main content of it. Everyone yeah. else was doing that, and we did yeah, record yeah. reviews, and we we did a kind of time. You intentionally out. steered away from that. Yeah, yeah. We, we did charts. We did uh, we did uh, club nights. Um, kind of, we did a timeout thing. We took we took all the bits that the other magazines like DJ and Mix Mag and Record Mirror and Blues and Soul were doing, and then we tried and, and none of them were doing that was they i mean in in terms of acid hours yeah. so no, no, no. this this was the first publication that yeah. actually because like you said i remember that you had all of the events in there and events for advertising you had that like timeout type thing and yeah. that was invaluable mate yeah, invaluable. Yeah, absolutely and we, we, yeah. were, we were at the time we didn't just you didn't send your your thing in and we wrote it out we had people going out to the party to those clubs to check them you know yeah sure I had an I had a I had a beautiful army of friends and people um, that just wanted to get into clubs for free. Yeah, yeah. You know, excellent. And, yeah, uh, for sure. We I I used to spend half my week putting people on guest lists. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I used to spend half my week editing and the other half my week putting people on guest lists. Um, but we did that. We were um, talking about new designers, uh, new clothing ranges. 
Um, you know, we, we wrote articles about drugs, um, about HIV, um, the positives and negatives of drugs. The, we wrote sure. about licensing and policing and club security when they were getting out of hand. Um, yeah, we, which for, for a magazine in 1989, yeah, we were, know, it was quite yeah. serious. Uh, we wrote about the drain dangers of tobacco, about uh, all kinds of things that we found interesting. Um, I just have to tell you. And that's the thing, because it wasn't like, you know, uh, thrown together like a Beano type way. It, it oh, was no. still quite adult. It was it well, wasn't like, you know, thrown I, together I, kid in a, in a kid type way, you know, acid type thing. You know, it was a really well together and really well thought out magazine for that time for sure what we what we wanted to do is i i wanted to create a magazine that you would read at home or on the train or you know sitting out in, in your garden as a leisure uh, as an informed not a i've just been to a party it's amazing and i'm feeling fantastic and i want to look at something because that just doesn't happen so sure. we're trying to re uh have a reader that was a little bit more intellectual. Um, um, and that might not necessarily have been the, the moment to catch them after the party. It maybe is better on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> I can't see, I can't <laughs> see. <laughs> Mum, I'm blind, I'm blind. These words are jumping around, um, you know. Um, so I think we, uh, incidentally, I just want to say that we had writers from Record Mirror, from ID, from the Evening Standard, and from uh, the 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 um, uh, the Daily Star, all writing for us under pseudonyms. Excellent! And how amazing uh, so is the that? Considering quality, the yeah. writing quality was really high, and I would contact these people who I thought were really writing well and they would say I can't and I just say look write me this article under another name I'll pay you for your article as a writer as a journalist but I want journalists I don't want anybody writing it you know and I think sure. that, that was the I think the readers that was defining that was, that was a yeah. USP for sure and I think the people reading it appreciated that there was still fun we still made we still poked fun at people um, yeah. because we went out to clubs and took pictures and, and things like that. Um, yeah, you still encapsulated the funness, yeah. you know, and the tenderness of the scene, but yeah. you did it. You approached it in a serious way. It's like, okay, we're not out here for, well, we're out here for fun. Yeah. But we're going to produce this as if we would produce a rock magazine or any yeah, other type of magazine. Uh, you you know, know, there was uh, at one point there were 33, there were 33 people working on the magazine. Wow, uh, dude. Eight of, impressive. Us, eight of us in the office and uh, the rest were, were journalists and writers, you know. Um, and go, who, going back to those journalists and the, and the writers for all of the big uh, newspapers, I mean, for start, I mean, you was approaching all those guys, and of course, those guys have been beating it up for two years, <laughs> haven't they? You know, so it's like they've said such terrible things. Yeah. All propaganda, you know. All, I mean, ninety percent propaganda, you know, total spin. Yeah. You know, and so to suddenly, you have to say some good things. I mean, if we rewind in the beginning, they were saying good things. Yeah, Do you remember in those those sun? That's right. In those Sun newspaper articles, they yep. were saying really nice things. I remember they had their own like vocabulary yep. that they made up. That was, you know, the slang. 
Yeah. And I remember they had their own T-shirts and yeah, everything they else. <laughs> they had their own T-shirts. I think they were a fiver or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then within weeks, it was <laughs> stop these evil <laughs> promoters. They're selling drugs to children. You know? Oh man. And uh, you know, so they they had a major turnaround. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if suddenly this magazine is calling them up saying, hey, yeah. they were probably thinking I think, I think, they're trying to trap me. <laughs> they're yeah, going to get me down the office and kick my head in. Your eye. Sure. I think there was, um, there was, there was, you know, in, in um, uh, as yin and yang, in every, isn't in every dark pool, there's a little shining light. And in each, right. there's, there was always fantastic writers in those places. And quite often I would remember, oh, she writing for, um, you know, the, the Daily Star, and she wrote these little things about uh, little tippets, and that were great. So I would go to them and say, okay, look, what about doing this? Um, you know, what about writing about this? And I, I tried to choose subjects that were not just about clubs and music, you know, just something that you and I would be interested in. Um, and, and yeah, something that you would want to read. Yeah, it, absolutely. That's how I approach things. Yeah. It's like, I want to do something that I would want to yeah. read, yeah. you know? Uh, I think, um, and that, that was, that, that was uh, a great thing for um, the scene. Um, it was. It was, it was major for the scene. It was a great thing for my writers. Um, it was, it was uh, I mean, the DJs and the musicians were, were amazing anyway, you know? Um, yeah. And every, every counterculture, you know, they have their own publications. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and you, which again, you know, when you look back, you know, and even when we're talking about it now, you know, your magazine was that. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, dude, yeah, that's that was, big. That was that was yeah, it was a big thing, and I was really big, proud mate. Of it. You know, selling really ninety thousand magazines. I mean, that's yeah. massive. Who does? Well, I'll tell you what. This, I, 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 we we sorry. sold about two hundred fifty thousand. Oh, sorry, two hundred fifty thousand magazines. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, a lot of magazines don't do that now. Yeah, yeah, it's you tough. Know, so it's a huge achievement, mate. Um, but it all came to an end. Yeah, as it always does. Uh, it was because again, you come to a point where you have to make that decision, don't you? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's well, like, I, do I carry I, on I, with I, this? I, or I had the decision almost made for me. Because okay, my, my distributor was the second largest in the country, um, and it was owned by Robert Maxwell. Okay. And Robert Maxwell died, and right. the empire dismantled. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect he's with the other one it, that just it, recently. It, 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 <laughs> either died. I suspect. I suspect his daughter's going there as well, and they're all going to have, you know, um, they're going to have a secret party somewhere. Yeah. When, when he's either died or he's gone for a very long swim. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone now, but I, I you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, you, you yeah. disappeared, and five hundred million, yeah, in pensions funds disappeared. So, yeah. I mean, look. I say to people, look, you can buy a book on the internet that says how to disappear for ten ninety nine. Are you telling me that if you had billions, you couldn't find a way of getting suicided and just disappearing? I mean, come on, dude, <laughs> come on, you know. And it's we we know it's works with Maxwell. Yeah. <laughs> 
so it works you yeah. know so <laughs> but anyway that's a different story but yeah so so maxwell he so then um yeah yeah there was a lot of turmoil that, wasn't there, there was the a lot company, of turmoil. and at that yeah. point um yeah, he nicked all the pension money as well yeah, so yeah, yeah. And that, my mum was part of that pension money loss you know that's outrageous isn't it it's so outrageous. It was outrageous um yeah and um while um that was all going on um i you know, through this whole time of the magazine, I was still doing the odd party here and there. Um, I was still doing a, you know, a party every six, eight weeks. Um, and so I kind of thought, uh, you know, maybe um, I'll do some little something smaller. Um, and I think Sunrise approached me to do a big party with them for them. Um, so I kind of took that on. Um, and then started the first Sunday night club with with Dennis Demack. Go on, Sam. You know, in the um, the garage is that the garage? No, oh no, uh, sorry, Dennis, sorry. Uh, what am I talking Dennis, about? Dennis <laughs> yeah, because you had one. You had the one in Slough. Which what what, what one was that again? Um, oh, with, I went there a couple of times. Okay, with Steve Proctor, all that lot. Yeah, they were there as well. I used yeah, to go down there with Tony. They were great. Oh, um, in Slough. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. With, we're, we're the, the, so so tell us about that. Yeah, the um, so that so when, so so the, here so here we are. So so one of the reasons why people because obviously you know people are going out Saturday night. So why would they want to start a Sunday club? Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> they were still awake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were still awake. Um, and I think also the uh, the idea of um, Saturday night, you know it was now a big industry you know it was 1993 mm. um yeah the big industry garage finger was happening yep. ministry of sound had ministry been open sound, for a year yep. or so you yep. know yeah um ministry a couple of years ministry had come along um we strangely in the in the the, the magazine issue that was due um that never ever came out featured Ministry of Sound about to open. I've done. We've done a big interview oh, with wow. them. Um, was it 1990 they opened? Uh, that was 91. 92. I was 92. Yeah, I think yeah. 92. Yeah. Um, so, so I think. So, uh, so the magazine ran from 1989 to 92. Yeah, it was. It was impressive, just, mate. It was. It was late 89 to. Yeah. Uh, middle of night so, and I had I so had, you would have covered so basically you would have covered because a lot changed in that space didn't it yeah you know the music had changed yeah. you know the counterculture had yeah. changed yeah. and and so you began writing music you know in a, in a hippie type way you know yeah, yeah this great music it's all that and then suddenly you know 1990 like 91 it changed into this hardcore music didn't it you remember yeah. hardcore yeah. house yeah, and it seemed, and I'm not—I don't want to take anything away from the, the sound or the music or anything like that, but it seemed to have a lot less heart yeah. than Absolutely. you know the house music that we'd been listening to previously to that, and it had a lot of a harder edge. And and people said that at the time, you know, remembering it encouraged a lot harder drugs. So it was yeah. almost like the drugs changed, the drugs got harder, the music got harder. When I say the drugs got harder, it was still MDMA, you know, but. Because I don't want people to think, oh, what now? They were taking crack. <laughs> so it was still the same drugs, but everything was speeded up. Because I remember there was time there was talk of certain substances 
well, not certain additives weren't available, and so they changed the MDMA formula and yeah, then it was M- MDA or something yeah, like that. I think, I think for me, yeah, it was as you say, there was a change of focus of of what you went for. Um, sure, you know, initially you went for an atmosphere, um, an experience, you know, yeah. um, and that involved the crowd, the music. Um, this, this, the DJs doing this amazing mixing that no one had heard before, um, you know, and, and there were some fantastically creative DJs. Um, so that was the focus. Um, and if a DJ, you know, put a, a three, four a string of records together that were just, you were just like, man, that's amazing. Mm. I think the focus yeah. went from there to let's just go out and have the best time possible. Um, and sometimes that is not good for other people around you. <laughs> yeah, because it was almost like it's, it was singular to just yeah. you and your group type yeah, thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Which was, uh, which was a lot of the case before Acid House came along. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. the, when Acid House came along, it was the I became the we became the us, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. So now, and, and, and that is actually a, a true statement of the way that it, it grew because it obviously it got to that point where originally people felt like they may have needed a drug to experience what they were experiencing in these group situations and i think that once people realize that actually i don't need the drug to actually experience that that unity that togetherness and because if you go to any concert if you go to a football match wherever you are you you're going to experience what the crowd is experiencing if if they're if a football team is losing you feel that anger and that tension yeah. in the air. Yeah, if a football absolutely. team is winning, you you know, you feel that euphoria. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's so and once people realize that, because in the beginning, people they they kind of they needed the the, the doors to be kicked in, basically, didn't they? <laughs> or the <laughs> gates to be thrown open for them to realize that actually this experience that I'm having right now isn't an unnatural experience. There's nothing wrong with feeling love for people, yeah. my friends and those people around me, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, there were many people by the end of 93 that really thought the scene was over. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, you know, it's five years on. Yeah, they, you know, they, they was, really did feel yeah. there was a lot of people I knew that were not going clubbing. Um, yeah, and that was part sure. of the reason of the Sunday night um, of getting those people out to come to a non-club atmosphere. Sure. You know, um, Make a dress up because they used to dress up as well, didn't they? That crowd. No, 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 we didn't. Okay, still t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was wear what you like, <laughs> wear what you like. Um, but it was a very nice dressy crowd. The girls loved dressing up for it. Yeah. You know, and which was because the, I mean, even that in and in and of itself, that came around yeah. too, didn't it? Because now, because yeah. when we talk about it, we speak about it in a flippant way. Ah, oh, you know, the girls were all dressed up. It's like, no, hang on. Before Acid House happened, the girls used to dress up. Acid House happened. Everyone dressed down. No one really gave a monkeys. The girls were wearing sweatpants and sweatshirts, baggy jumpers and all that stuff. And then we came out of that and then people started to say, well, do you know what? I, I actually want to dress up again today. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, the girls started dressing up again. So it went full circle, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I think, um, and then that Sunday scene that you speak of, I mean, I've, I'm going to be speaking to uh, Norris Windras and Dominic and, and Creed. I'm doing them in a group talk, you know, and they're, <laughs> and they're going to speak more about that time as well, you know. Well, Nor- Norris was one of my um, residents. 
Yeah. And um, and uh, if if Creed and Dominic are uh, watching, um, yes, I still regret not putting you on. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they need to speak to Dennis Did about it. that. <laughs> Blame it on someone else, mate. Oh, it was Dennis. That was the name. I said earlier on at the beginning, I said Egypt with Dave. And I'm, yeah. I meant white Dave. I didn't mean the black Dave, but maybe it was Dennis, yeah. you know? Yeah, I yeah. remember. But anyway, um, um, so, yeah, so the Sunday scene thing was just, it became massive, absolutely huge. And it's like what you said, people, um, and it's the same as in Ibiza, if you remember. Yeah. It got to a time when people wasn't going out on Saturday night. Yeah. They were waiting till space opened Sunday morning. Absolutely. And then you stay up for three yeah. days. But yeah. the same thing happened with this Sunday thing. It's like there were people that, because you remember when it began, it was, you know, a couple of pubs around the corner. You yeah. couldn't serve alcohol because yeah. it wasn't time. You know, the license hours hadn't started yet. Yeah. And people would just leave Ministry of Sound and then go into these pubs. But then people like yourself, you went and got actual venues. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow. We, we went to the Cafe de Paris. And that yeah. was just a fantastic, beautiful venue. You know, beautiful it, was a, it was a, it was a great club venue. You know? Yeah, world famous venue as well. Yeah. Cafe de Paris. Absolutely. I mean, Wednesday nights at the Caf. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ah, mate, in the eighties, right. that was the spot. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think. So uh, that kickstarts. So that kickstarted that whole massive Sunday scene because it yeah. grew. I mean, it, it grew into its own beast. It was a yeah. beast, wasn't it? That, you that know? was a, that. That was a yeah. beautiful beast. And, and then yeah. people that ne normally went out on Saturdays stopped doing that and going Sunday, you know? Yeah, yeah. But the only problem with that is we 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 were going out on the Sunday. I mean, our, our um, timetable was basically meet in the VIP at Ministry of Sound about 2 a.m. And then from then basically be up for like three days you know yeah, <laughs> so it didn't really stop us you know it was yeah. like you know um, we've got to be home so we can go to work it was like no we're building careers as we go along <laughs> you know yeah. it's diy you know um yeah so and so it just and, and as you said the music had changed everything had changed yeah. and 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 it's like you know at that point you've been in the game five years and it does get a little bit tiring, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a nightlife uh, career. You know, you're out on nights all of the time. You know, in the days, you yeah. just barely get your flies around to the shops. I mean, it, it wasn't easy being a promoter, was it, back then? No, no. Yeah, I tell you. It's, yeah. It, it was a great life. But Yeah, I it was a great had, life. You had to be a bit disciplined. Yeah. Um, and understand you had a lot of freedom, but there were certain things you had to do you had to be a little, a little organised. Yeah, um, and, a lot organised. Uh, yeah. And and uh, and I um, I really took it on as uh, as that, and and partied separately from uh, you know any party I ever did. I never ever partied in the party. I sure. always Me waited. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, always waited and did. And you know, after, after yeah, I remember, I remember, mate. You you would take like you know, two hundred uh, people yeah, back to your gaff. I, 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 I think, uh, yeah, if um, if uh, after party, uh, after partying was uh, in the Olympics, <laughs> uh, if after party was in the Olympics, we'd both be uh, marathon uh, runners. Uh, of that one. Thank you. And yeah, I yeah. appreciate your. Uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, trying to yeah, throw the, the heat just to you. <laughs> I appreciate all the fun you you gave me. Um, yeah, uh, mate, and you, brother. And it's been, like, it's been like an amazing you journey. Had a, you had a really fun attitude to um, partying. You know, appreciate it. Um, yeah. 
and uh, it was always everything we done we did uh, was done for pleasure. Uh, it, yeah, it wasn't to escape, and it was all heart. Yeah, it was uh, all heart. It wasn't it for for me and you and many people that I know um, that worked in the scene. Um, it was never for um, money, and we didn't go to escape. Uh, we didn't go to parties to escape our jobs or our lives or our problems. It was pleasure. It was, yeah, it was total it was pleasure. pleasure. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and it just. And you know when you and you look back, I mean that's I guess that's why I always say to the people coming up, you know, your nephews and the younger people that, you know, you got to do something that you love. Yeah, absolutely. And just be as good as best, good as what you can be doing something that you love, and then it won't be like work, you know. And that was one of the things that that whole scene gave to all us lot coming up. Yeah. It was like before that you know, we had, our careers were all kind of written out for us. You know, there were only certain industries. And for us kids in Hackney, you know, it was like laborer, you know, type careers. So there was Absolutely. nothing really, you know, there was no dream of, you know, running big events, you know, event management or anything like that. That wasn't in our, in our future at all. No, no. And so for this to come, it came along and it gave so many people professional platforms i mean even look at today with carl cox and, yeah. you know carl cox charging a million pound for a set i mean that's just amazing man you know so and you remember carl from the old days i don't know how much you paid him but you know it, he didn't ask for much money and he was a really hard working dj oh, you know that's that's one thing about carl he was a really hard working dj yeah. i have to say that um when you look through the the big DJ list that there was around. Um, the guys at the top, Paul, Danny, yep. Carl, you know. All came from that period. They yeah. were all came from there, but also Wayne, they were all really nice people. Yeah, you know, it made they a were difference. really nice people. Um, yeah. And, you know, not to say I haven't uh, encountered some uh, un-nice DJs. <laughs> Um, to put it politely, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think most of the those people that I encountered that that had come that original from, crop, yeah, you know, think, people, the original crop always had that with uh, with Fab and Groove, with all those people, yeah, uh, and even the DJs that never really made those high things, uh, high end, um, the the Alexes, the Norman, uh, uh, the Norrises, the Mets. Um, all, all those people sure. were really lovely people that loved the scene, you know. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing because um, it ended up, you know, only a few DJs and even party promoters get highlighted. Yeah. I mean, I get I get accused of that on Facebook sometimes. After a documentary had come out, you know, you get people, not people, there's one particular person, I'm not going to mention their name, but they would come online and they would start saying, oh, you know, why didn't they come and interview me? You, you, they only interview the same people over and over again. And they say, well, why didn't you mention me and stuff like that? And you say, well, actually, I mention everybody. Yeah. It's not my fault that they choose to cut that out. Because a lot of the time when you're when you're doing an interview for BBC, yeah. you know, or wherever it is, Channel 4, or, you know, Channel 5, they know what they want from yeah. that documentary program. Yeah. So when you start mentioning these names, because of the way that it works, in that particular profession yeah. is that they need completed rounded stories so you just throw in a name in the middle of a conversation for them that's not how they do it because 
they will then need to get all the information about that person and possibly try and interview that person. So rather than go through that process, they rather just cut it out, you know? So sure. we, I mention them. I always mention all of the guys. I mean, yeah, sure. I, might, I might not mention the chap I just mentioned, ah, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but I mention everybody. Yeah, you know? I agree with you. Um, I think uh, Trev Funk, um, yeah, we got missed out for a lot of years. One hundred percent, I always yeah. say but that. Now I, I feel yeah. like the more I read, the more he gets mentioned. Yeah, for but he own... still doesn't get mentioned in the right way. No. And I've always, I've, I've even had this conversation with him. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, you it's know. like people talk about when the guys went over there, but it's like, yeah, but you went over there and Trevor was there. Yeah, Trevor was the one. Why, you know, so why hasn't it become, and Ian was there, so why hasn't it become like, it'd be for seven? <laughs> you know, why is it just five? You know, Trevor was there, dude, and you went over there, you saw what it was like. Yeah, absolutely. That was when a amnesia, amnesia had no roof and stuff, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Wild dogs running that around means, and the hippies. And, uh, that and because what a lot of people, sorry, brother, you know, a lot of people also don't realize about Abifa is that Osho, the guru, Osho was yeah, there, wasn't he? In was the there? 60s. And they were all taking MDMA in their flowing white gowns and flowing yeah. and, you know, and dancing all around the island. I mean, that was long before. You know, there was a single acid house beat, you know. Um, I mean, even before Orson Welles made a film there, and they were Orson the whole... Orson Welles made a film yeah, there. Um, they, that was the whole, um, you know, um, Hollywood stroke... Yeah. Elite, Europe elite. They were having parties in a yeah. big room. And all the rock and pipes. rollers. Yeah. At Pikes and stuff like that. You know, there was a few yeah, they were real dinner, scenes going on over there. They were there. doing dinner parties in villages. And it's this... And that's why... I don't know if you saw, um, because I remember, yeah, when I, I was going to Ibiza, you, we'd roll up at space with Alex and Brandon, and they would have their record decks with them. <laughs> and you roll up, and they just threw the record decks on the terrace, on the bar, in the terrace at, at space. Yeah. And, you know, we all rolled in there together, and then they just wire the, the, the turntables up, we'll and... Up. Away we went, you know, and I mean, they were just such amazing, such great parties, you know. Yeah. And so, going from that to when I watched the, the closing party of Space with Carl Cox, he played, yeah, but it was like there was, I don't know, like, there's like 10,000 people there. You're like, how, where did all these people come from? It's like, where have they built this yeah. venue, you know? Because yeah. you remember on the terrace, I mean, you get. The original terrace, they expend, they extended it, but you know you'd get like three hundred people, four hundred people, and like when you going back to what you said earlier about doing smaller parties, and because after a lot later on, that's what you were doing. You were doing lots of these really cool parties, you yeah, know, in in really fun. beautiful settings, and it become because now that people had experienced those massive parties with thousands of people, it then become an back to being an individual experience and so you go to a party with three four hundred people and have an amazing time yeah. you know and and that's kind of where you went wasn't it yeah i kind of took it back to um back to sort of the beginning um and started running around estate agents and renting big mansions um and that's when the uh, we're just doing a film production stroke video stroke pop video and can we rent your mansion for the weekend uh, came along. Um, that always and, worked didn't it we're doing yeah, a documentary yeah. for channel four uh, yeah <laughs> um, where's well, all the camera equipment we, we, all the we kit were, all the crew all coming later 
<laughs> I mean, by that time, uh, by that time, we had such a good team um, that mm. we'd come in, we'd put the sound, yeah. we'd do amazing uh, sets, um, and yeah. then we'd have cleaners come in and clean it for two days solid uh, to try and get the the the, the smell of beer or yeah uh, it's a horrible smell oh, yeah exactly yeah uh, those are the days of, of smoking inside people As beer well, and tobacco yeah. uh, imagine you know, that, mate. So, we, so we literally had cleaners with with uh air filters and things come in for two days after um and um and that were great they were great you know it was kind of between totally. you know we always kept it to around 800 people um That's nice and 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 quite often we would uh, we'd let the police know at the last minute yep. um, okay. <laughs> um, and just, you know, Hey, we're doing this party at this hope we don't make too much noise. Let us know. Um, and when they turned up, you know, we showed them our contract and Hey, we're leaving on Monday morning. We're just doing this little thing. And, um, and they were really cool. By that time, you know, if you spoke, um, with mm. some kind of intelligence with the police they are yeah. intelligent people uh who see sure. hey there's 800 people and maybe they're not doing such a bad thing and there's no trouble yeah. it's i mean thought, it's same back then you know their whole issue was health and safety it really was i mean in that, the beginning that was only, the, that was only yeah. Issue. yeah it was and i mean in the beginning you know they would roll by our warehouses and just say to security i mean after i've done the initial black yeah. you know they'd, you know and convince them that you know we rented the building through yeah. the correct channels after i've gone through all that you know the, later on they would literally just drive past and say to security you know is everything all right yeah this was 88 early 89 yeah that's how and it was only because of the peer pressure from the yeah. government and from the media that they felt like they had to be seen to be doing Absolutely. something, you know, but really they didn't care. They're like, dude, you know, I get more problems with this little crowd yeah. down in this pub than yeah. I do with those 10,000 people down the road. Yeah. The only, the only issue that we were presenting was a traffic issue, sure. we, we, but we have gone by eight in the morning. So you know. we, we, um, at the end, we, we, we had that, that philosophy and the police would come, as you say, quite often they would come and ask us what time we're finishing and, we'd kind of say, we're thinking five, six, what do you think? And they'd say, yeah, well, and often they'd come and they'd offer us to, hey, we see there's a lot of cars parked here. Do you want us to guide you off the land or? I know, you know they've I done mean, it for us. It's, it's incredible this, when this that happens. in private yeah. mansion house yeah. and car parks and things like that, so. No, you've done some good parties, dude. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> I've been to a couple of New Year's Eve ones as well. Great parties, mate, yeah. absolutely. Good. But even at your house, you know, yeah. you do know how to throw a party. So uh, yeah. I, people, I, I, and that's what it's about. It's, it's about, you get to that point where you want to create memories, you know? Yeah. And, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, when's the next party? And, and I don't, it's, for me, it was creating memories, you know? It was new, it was so exciting you know, that you couldn't wait to do another party. I mean, Genesis, we were known for doing, in that first three months of 89, a party on every Saturday, a large scale party as well. So, you know, so we had the heart for it and I, I knew why I was doing it. It was the unity, it was joining all of these forces together. It was providing a platform where people can really let go of all their inhibitions yeah, and yeah. be themselves, you know, and, and in a, in a safe environment. And so when I look at doing parties now, it's like, well, what, I'm, what's my motivation now? Is it money? 
you know, and once the money's the motivator, then I don't really want to do it. You know, I'm, I'm still really love the creativity and the art end of things. Yeah. You know, I'm all about the art. Yeah. And if I can't see any art in it Absolutely. and heart, yeah. then I'm just like, mm, yeah. I, no. I, I really enjoyed um, the last couple of years of doing that. Um, and then it got to 2000 and I thought it was a nice time to, um, to end. Yeah. Um, not to, and then I sort of went off to do, um, music. So yeah, tell us about now. Yeah, exactly. So we've spoken about so much about the past. Now. So now, I mean, like, as I'm speaking to you right now, you're at home, you're in your recording studio or you're in your creative studio yeah, in the I'm South of France. Up. You know, um, so tell us about that. Man. So, tell us about, I know you've, I personally know you've done some really amazing projects here. Some musical yeah. projects that are just amazing. So, um, so after uh, 2000, I, um, I started creating some events for corporates, um, but music events, always music based um, from, uh, and finding venues for those people from, uh, I did uh, Red Bull in the park with, when they jumped off the, the thing. We did some creative. We did Excellent. Chemical Brothers in Trafalgar Square. We did uh, Pavarotti in the park. I was lucky to work on. Uh, Excellent. We did some bits for, the, for Live Aid um, and um, uh, Live Aid. Sorry, not Live Aid. I think that was about 100 years before. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, but same uh, thing. And, and then they did the same um, thing with the money. Let's not go there. We, we all know some stories. <laughs> and statute of limitations isn't. Yeah, 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 it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Uh, yeah. So, um, so. Um, well, but that must have been a really amazing because look, you you yeah, went that, from that you're doing great. these acid house parties to these cool uh, to these cool members parties, and then and now you're doing you know chemical well, brothers not, and pavarotti for example oh, i mean amazing um, yeah i mean that was fifty thousand people in hyde park wow you know, amazing i remember that, the, i remember that, it that was amazing um, that was just a you know a big team effort when you're working with big pr companies oh for sure it's a team effort but it's to, just to be involved in something yeah, like yeah. that because again, it was it was breaking ground, you know, that's having Pavarotti that's that's doing opera in a park and yeah. not into some type of theatre. So yeah. even that was amazing. Yeah. Hey. And I remember he had these powers with him as well, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would they call them? The four? No, no, the three tanners. Yeah. Um, oh. I mean, on that party, even Charles and Dinah turned up. See, you yeah. know, it's yeah. like there you are, yeah. you know. There you go. Yeah. Royalty yeah. were raving. There you um, go, mate. So, um, so, but so, so your music. So then, so you've done all that amazing stuff. But now, the musical stuff that you're yeah. you're involved in. So, just... so I left London around 2011 to live in India, um, which I, I'd, I'd been going to and fro India for about almost 10 years. Um, and I was, I was actually doing. I was helping two of my friends do a party in Goa, uh, that just happened to be the biggest party in Goa at the time. Of course. Um, I did that event for about three, four years. Um, and then I uh, got together with my uh, beautiful wife um, in South India, and she was an um, artist. Uh, she was a musician. Mm, an amazingly talented musician and artist, yeah, and, for and sure. She was, she was doing some amazingly things yeah. I've never seen. She was 
uh, she was looping and things back in 2001, two. Wow. Um, yeah, which has obviously been made quite famous in recent times, but in yeah. 2001. Was working with all these tech stuff. Um, so we got together. Um, I, I'd left London to live in India. Um, and it was just, uh, we wanted to uh, live a different life. Um, and then people from manager and did, didn't didn't your wife have a place out there or was she yeah, doing she yeah was, she was doing some sort of events or was it a she, bar or she was doing a live set yeah. every friday um, cool. that was super cool um it, it had all the local um people all the hip people we had a dell's manager we had mike from Pro, uh, the manager of prodigy mike champion uh, another one this soul uh, was a crazy yeah. bugger um yeah and um, who were telling us, come to England, come to the States, come to here. We had Amp Fiddler's manager uh, saying, come to the States. So we, we decided on a new adventure. Um, and we tried, we wanted to be in, live in the sun. Um, we checked out Ibiza. We went, to, um, we went to Marrakesh and we stayed with Cyrus. Uh, hey, big shout out to Cyrus. Cyrus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big shout out to Cyrus and Madeline. Big shout out to Cyrus. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I, I hooked you up, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Excellent. Um, and, then, and then we came to the south of France and we just found this amazing old covent, um, a 500 year old covent. And we kind amazing. of uh, we, we bought that in an hour and, um, and then. We're, we're now artists, um, we create music-based art projects, um, uh, and it's junecary.com for you, anyone that wants to see it, uh, she's doing some amazing yeah. stuff. Spell it out for them. Yeah, J-U-N-K-E-R, you'll have to put it up after on the yeah. link. Um, um, but um, we're doing these things with uh, the Royal College of Art, we uh, our work you did that amazing video for that the NASA was it a NASA yeah, competition we, we've done a video for NASA which got yeah. uh, in some film prizes it was our first time we'd ever made a video <laughs> a yeah and and it was an amazing video because yeah. wasn't it that yeah. 3d video using yeah. all the latest Google yeah. pen tech and yeah um so she's kind and of, and the guy that uh, did the artwork yeah, he was he's some you know some, Morgan was amazing so we're Patrick working with a visual yeah. artist with um, and we're kind of working with tech companies at the cutting edge. So we've worked with Google, with NASA, as you said, uh, with King's College. We're now cool. working on the next project, um, which is a spatial sound performance in the dark. Cool. Yeah. In the pitch black, yeah? In pitch black. Yeah. Excellent. Um, wow. Um, I tell you what, just saying it, I can feel my chest like vibrating. And facial sound, for those of you who don't, you've got to check it out. Uh, it's amazing. Wow. So we have eight or 10 speakers in a circle um, and you have each musician or voice coming out of each speaker. Wow. And then, wow. and the, what, what the new technology does is that we're allowed to switch the guitar that you can hear behind you with the voice in front and switch them. Wow, dude. And, you know, yeah. hey, you know, we've all listened to uh, when you listen crazy. To That's very Pink Floyd, isn't it? <laughs> hey, uh, we just we were in Electronic Sound magazine in July yeah. and they they likened us to 
innovators like Bowie and Pink Floyd. So we see, uh, I mean, that was we definitely were we were touched. That, yeah, mate, that was definitely as soon as you said it, it's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Exactly. But as soon as you mentioned it, I was like getting yeah, like vibrations in my chest. It's like spatial sound in the pitch black. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and, and then do you, do you mix it live? Uh, you know, like change those voices uh, around. No, and the, on this okay. version, it's recorded. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's about 22 people that worked on the project: musicians, artists, engineers. Wow. Um, and we cool. Did, we did some. And is that out now, or is it coming out? Experimental or? performances in Bristol, Birmingham, and oh, wow. last year. Um, cool. And because of COVID, it's not gone forward. But um, yeah. we are going to a few festivals for next year. Some art festivals excellent um, i uh and which again is a different proposition isn't it you yeah, know we, art festival as opposed to music festival yeah uh, we 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 don't go to music festivals it's always it's art based um yeah you know we we do see ourselves as artists um and and we are we are um we're really enjoying that life it's creative um and for me it's a progression of something new something innovative um and exciting, you know, which I like you, the idea is to experience new things, but you want to have other people experience it. With yeah, you, yeah, because you know? it can be lonely, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the fact that you have a wife that shares all these creative endeavors is just amazing. I mean, your whole family, you, they're, you're, you're all creative, the yeah, kids are creative, everyone's creative. Yeah, my daughter June is yeah. and she's singing on it. See what I mean? It's like it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. You've built a really beautiful life for yourself, that mate. Well done, because because that's because in essence, that's what we're all really chasing, isn't it? You know, it's that. Well, sometimes it's finding that partner. You know, sometimes it's you know you're going to go it alone. But at the end of the day, it's about finding you, and about finding that middle ground. And once you find you and you're secure in yourself, to be able to share that with someone else who's just as secure yeah. in their selves is just an amazing, an amazing partnership yeah. to have. And, and I feel like that's what we're all looking oh, for. Thank you. And you found it, man. Yeah, yeah, so that's you. like, um, go on, son. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm going to leave you with something really. Yeah. Uh, I have been lucky my whole life. Um, yeah. And it doesn't seem that way when I, if I examine the, some of the, the details, but overall, uh, I've been very lucky. I came from India when I was eight. Uh, my mother was amazing. Awesome. She took me to see Stevie Wonder uh, for my 10th birthday. And I got to meet him backstage. Uh, wow. You know, when I was at school in Brixton, in Tulsil, for all those people that went there, um, I, was, I, I, uh, I was late for school one morning and uh, I was held outside the uh, uh, headmaster's office and I thought, that I was going to be in trouble. But in fact, they locked the doors uh, because there was a man giving a talk. And this man walked past me. And just as he walked past me, he said, hi, how are you doing? And I was speechless. It was Muhammad Ali gave a talk to our school. And, oh, wow, dude. And, and he said uh, something. And he said hello to you. Yeah. Because and I thought I was in trouble. I didn't say a single word back. I was I was a big black man. I, I was a thirteen-year-old <laughs> boy in shock. I mean, it it was because he was a huge man as well, wasn't he? He was a big man, and um, and to be as a as a small child as well. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, at that moment there was only Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee, and uh, Michael Jackson who were in the top three. 
of, yeah. of all superstars. People, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But he said something to these, uh, you know, to 2000 boys in Brixton. And what he said was, um, whatever you do, you, you have to enjoy it. And it has to be something you can share to be fulfilled. And it doesn't matter if you're cleaning an office or you're singing a song or you're making a party in my case, um, it, it has to be something that has to, is shared. And uh, we, I think yeah. you uh, are one of those people that did that. And I appreciate uh, you too, brother. Uh, your love for that. And, uh, yeah, you anyone, too, brother. Uh, and, and with the podcast, it's a fantastic idea. There's some fantastic people to be heard um, rather than the main names that everyone hears. And exactly. The fact, and the fact you're going in underground. Uh, underground, people, son, because that's where the story is, isn't it? You know, it's not just with those faces that we always see i know i'm one of those faces on those documentaries but you know it's a lot deeper than that and you know i want to get everybody's stories and your story is, is is as important as my story you know so i'm really pleased that you came onto the podcast and we'll hook up and we'll do some things and the next time we'll we have the missus on uh we're you know we're trying maybe even do some sort of live art performance okay. we're trying we're yeah we'll do something we'll do some type of broadcast from your house sure. come, you come know from your, that sounds cool so listen we'll arrange that 100 and i really because i know you've got lots on yeah. and right now just for people that are listening it's a really hot day in london yeah. we're in september but it's about 30 degrees outside and and is it hot over where you are as well um wayne it's hot from um Mar oh yeah south of france we're <laughs> in the south of france listen mate I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Love to all the family. Give everyone a big hug for me. And I hope to see you really, really soon. Uh, thanks again. Loads of love, brother. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, podcast. bro. Love you. Take care, brother. Love see you soon, care. brother. Do you think it's a, anything it, to do it, with a certain religion, do you think? No. Is there anything is it? like that? No, no it's no, more to do no. with a kind of a drug, isn't it? It's a drug. Yeah, well, those that take it want to be, ought to be ashamed well. of themselves. there were thousands of empty ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250-foot-long hangar. Drugs, sex, sensation. Some newspapers have called Acid House Music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug-taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organizers kept the location secret until the very last moment, which was the main reason, according to the papers, where there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug-crazed kids, some as young as 12, boogied for eight hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from the Mail and the Sun. There's, there's meant to be a drugs-related craze. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. Unless it's just the music that does it. it. All them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't even go in the uh, pub where them lights are. Oh, no, they drive no. you mate.